Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, Weston Williams, joined this week by creative consultant Oliver Camacho and returning from season two of the Opera Box Score, guest co-host Dinah Fisher. We are live on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. Call us live on the air and have your opera voice heard. That number again is 847-866-9687. All right, tonight Oliver is going inside the huddle with baritone Anthony Clark Evans. The 2017 BBC Cardiff Singer of the World main prize finalist is currently singing the role of Ricardo in Bellini's I Puritani. Hear what he has to say to our very own Oliver Camacho in our OBS exclusive. But uh, right after that, the Metropolitan Opera just announced its 2018-2019 season. We crunched the numbers of those titles on the Dodson scale. Plus, James Levine has finally stepped aside as music director, and an old and in a old in a surprise that will in a move that will surprise absolutely no one. A Quebecois conductor, Yannick Nézet-Séguin, has been named as Levine's successor. Really nailed the French there. We'll tell you how that affects the Mets' season. And at 9.40, it's the two-minute drill. Everything you need to know from the past week in Opera Land and our hot takes on those stories. Plus, we'll squeeze in Oliver playing Monday evening quarterback on Chicago Opera Theater's production of Putz and Campbell's opera, Elizabeth Cree. And so, without further ado, Oliver Camacho... Welcome back, Dinah Fisher. Yeah, and Dinah. Hey yeah, welcome back. We really got the, this is really the a new and special team we got going tonight. It's you great. got the gay, you got the woman, you got the, <laughs> the giant. The gay and the woman. <laughs> yeah. And a woman with purple hair. Now. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's I'm very good. This is ultra-diverse casting yeah. hair. Yeah. Yeah. And me just being just white and straight. No, and giant. Yeah. You're and a giant. tall. Yeah. You're yeah. huge. That's yeah. true. That's true. I am an anomaly in many ways. Yeah. Uh, that's what I tell myself when Especially I get up Especially in your morning. pronunciation of French. <laughs> oh, so special. Was I even close? We have to, we have to practice Yannick Nézé-Séguin. Yannick Nézé-Séguin. We all have to get used to saying his name. But Quebecois is a word that can trip you up. I, well, I get that. Well, so. you know uh, what's what's diffi- uh, difficult uh, uh, about that, it, not just in the opera world, but it's difficult You know, if you're watching the Olympics and you're seeing all these foreign names popping up yeah. and you, you hear the announcers and you just got to feel for them because that's not yeah. their language either. I can see yeah. the fear in their eyes. <laughs> yeah. They're well, they like reading and they're like, so. oh, God. Uh, have either of you been uh, watching the Olympics so I far? Am, like, I cannot wait for this show to be over so I can get home and watch the Shibutani Sibs, the Ship Sibs. Yeah, they're yeah. competing in ice dancing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love anything on ice, actually. Anything on yeah, ice. I agree. Curling, so. Oh, that's a that'd be a great title for an opera. Yeah. I'd watch it. I would anything on I ice. I have to say though, like because the Met season was just announced, I feel 
there's some kind of parallel with uh, Nathan Chen's performance uh, in the men's um, short program. Mm -hmm. Like there was so much build up to what this kid could do, and he's amazing. Get me wrong, but it was a complete like bomb. You know, oh bless really? His heart. Yeah. What well, what happened? He fell so much, no. and he was he was clearly the favorite to win, like to oh. win the gold. I mean, like when he he redeemed himself in the long program, but okay. he was so far behind in points that he didn't even make it to the podium. Poor kid. But, oh, that's yeah, so but sad. he had the highest score uh, in the long in the long program. Well, I mean, and had he had just done decently in the first half, he would have gotten a gold medal. So. Well, if you're listening, okay. don't worry. I I I've only been ice skating once, and I literally had four people holding me up the entire time. <laughs> but he's so. still he's still in my heart. I love him, <laughs> and I know in 2020 or 22, whatever year, yeah, he's gonna be amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen any of the Olympics, so this is all news to me. Mm. If I didn't have this show, I would have no idea what was going on. It's a on. sports theme. I know. I'm really bad at sports. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm watching so it bad either because I don't have cable. Oh, but yeah. I do. I mean, the figure skating is probably yeah. my favorite thing. And watching guys flip on the skis. Yeah. They jump up in the air and they, like, twist. That's so exciting. That's a sport, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's that pretty gym. good. That's a sport. All that's right, let's sport. move on from sports because we clearly don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're going to go inside the huddle. Huddle up. Let's go inside the huddle. All right, Oliver, do you want to introduce the next clip yeah, we got? Yeah, so um, actually, just a, about two weeks ago, um, Lyric Opera opened its uh, Puritani production, and I was able to sit down with baritone Anthony Clark Evans, who sings the role of Ricardo, as you said, and actually Toby came with me to interview, because oh. I felt that... I didn't know Anthony Clark. I rarely know the people I'm interviewing, but I really didn't know him. And I felt like this is going to be some really broed out like jock guy. Cause like just the way he carries himself, like he just seems like a Midwestern, like bro, you know? Yeah. 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 So I needed some bro support. So I Toby, Toby's like the most broish of, of, of <laughs> all of us. Is he? Well, is he though? I guess George would be in, in essence, but George is so tiny. I think you know? I'm the broest. Like, <laughs> that, that, that is out true. Out of everyone here. I can, I can, conf can confirm. Like so I brought Toby with me, and I have to say that the sound levels in this uh, interview are a little bit odd because Anthony Clark Evans' voice is like so penetrating that mm. uh, me and Toby sound a little bit like, you know, like we're in a, a little flutey soprano. Exactly. But Anthony Clark Evans is just killing it right now. He made his lyric debut uh, in this role, even though he has sung on the lyric stage many times as a young artist or in the Ryan Opera Center. But uh, as I said in my review of the show a couple weeks ago, uh, the men in this cast are really killing it, particularly Andrian Sampatran, the Romanian uh, bass baritone, and uh, Anthony Clark Evans. And I, it's really interesting what Anthony Clark had, Evans had to say. We actually talked for like 45 minutes, so I had to cut out almost half of our conversation. Uh, but uh, he has interesting things to say about repertoire and about what it is to be like this guy who just sings really well and comes from this obscure, you know, he sold cars. He didn't sell cars. He's, he was, you can read up his history. Like he's like plucked from obscurity type of like, mm. you know, uh, story like Paul Potts, the guy who was like selling cell phones. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he no, was just not... like humming to himself at a car, sh at a, like a car store. No, he like, studied voice. Ew. Yeah. And like, <laughs> actually his father was a singer too, but uh, oh, well. his story, if, he has a really great like backstory, which you can all read about, but we're going to cut to the chase and listen to a little bit of his BBC Cardiff Singer of the World performance. And then you'll hear the interview. Oh, 
St. Louis Cardinals. Always? Yeah, I mean, ever since about 1989, when I really started playing for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I really just, I don't know what it was. I think it was that uh, ridiculous Bush Stadium that was just <laughs> a big bowl. Once I saw it on TV, the big overhead shot of it, and it was just so beautiful. I was like, that's awesome, you know. Mark McGuire hitting 900-foot home runs. Oh, man. So I'm a Royals fan, so I kind of hate the Cardinals. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I like the Royals, too, because I love Bo Jackson. Oh, that. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love Bo Jackson. I love Brett Butler. Yeah, Billy Butler. Billy Butler. Billy Butler's a redneck who played baseball yep. for the Royals. Oh, Hilarious yeah. guy. Very pudgy. Oh, yeah. Couldn't run, but one time he stole a base in the World Series. We're gonna edit all of this out. <laughs> yeah. No, but like those World Series in the eighties. Yeah. When I, when I I was too little then to like appreciate it. When I go back and watch them, those were the best, man. Yeah. Those were like so ridiculous. The calls were all like crazily bad all over the yeah. place. The refs were terrible. Yeah. The refs were terrible. And then you get uh, all these great moments, and a lot of it happened in Missouri, of all places. Yeah, so I, was I, know, very, right? I don't know. It's like it's the coolest thing. The I seventy so, series. It's yeah. sort of like yeah. the golden age of singing, like in the seventies and the eighties, when like you know historical performance practice and. You know, I think it was the '50s, really. Okay. If, if I'm no, I'm being, saying the golden age of singing. Yeah, if I'm being totally honest, I think the '50s was the best. Awesome. Why do you say Car- that? Young Corelli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Young, young Tabaldi. Come on. So you're Tabaldi. Yeah. Cesare Siepi. Cesare Siepi, which was the best bass ever. Yep. I think he buries Giaudov. Um, I, I mean, There's it's this just edge to the. To the sound you hear. He sounds like a. He sounds so, like a baritone. I'm trying to figure out because when I hear you sing. I hear your technique. Not that it, I hear like right, right, right. But but you're like a very technical singer, you know. Right. I'm, I I think I'm a very Italian singer. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the way it kind of has been set up. And I wonder, like, you know, are you? You just mentioned a bunch of singers, you know. Yeah. But I didn't hear a lot. This is gonna. I'm gonna get in trouble. I didn't hear a lot of artists that you name. You know, like no. Who are, yeah. But those are the people. That I'm the biggest Corelli fan on the face yeah. of the earth. I think that he is. Probably the best um, raw 
And so you got to understand where I'm coming from too. You see what I mean? Like he he started a little later. Um, I think he's the most raw, intense, animalistic sound that has ever been, yeah. including Del Monaco, including Lodi Volpi, all those guys. Okay. I think he is the one. He's huh. the golden child of tenors. Well, everything just makes sense to me now because um, <laughs> I saw you on the Prima of Puritani, and I thought you were just going for things, yeah. like really going for things. And uh, it was surprising to me. Like, you know, you should be nervous. It's like you're, well, it wasn't really your lyric debut because you sang whatever 20 roles yes. in the Ryan Arbor yeah. Center. But it was your, <laughs> ostensibly your lyric debut as a professional. Yes. And uh, yeah, you were taking chances, you know. And so um, you're a jock. That's what you are. You're, you're just a singing jock, you know. I mean, but that's what you have to be. Singing is a very physical thing. Um, it's almost like the Olympics of the small muscles. <laughs> you know? That's the name of this right. episode. The Olympics, the Olympics of the small of muscles. The small muscles. <laughs> like, you have to be able, again, your vocalis muscle just by itself, I mean, to even get, get it to be fit, quote-unquote fit, is like just to, you know, you have to warm up a very certain way. You have to use falsetto if you're a man. I mean, I don't really ever use You say falsetto. that like that's embarrassing. No, I mean, but I'm saying in, in professional yeah. singing in a house like this, I'm not, you're not ever going to see me do any falsetto. Okay? Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be heard. Yeah. So, I mean, I use falsetto every single day, but I'm just like, sometimes I'm thinking to myself, man, why am I doing this? But I know why I'm doing it. <laughs> to get the inner edge of that vocal fold yeah. and the inner edge of the vocalis muscle to really you know, vibrate and be used so yeah. that the whole muscle is strong and not just the, the parts that I use. Hmm. So, again, it's just this little flap of skin, you know, but it's, you have to you have to really know what you're doing. Scientifically, the body is a uh, pretty amazing thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you talk about the physicality of it, and then we talk about relating this to athletics. Vocally going for things, you know, like Corelli, you talk about being raw and just going with it. Do you ever feel like sometimes there are constraints within an opera that don't allow you to do to be as free with your personality, with your physicality, or with your vocal uh, technique that you want to be? Do you ever feel that with, when you're with on your stage? technique? No, your technique is your own thing. Mm -hmm. But I think just uh, musically, you're kind of at the mercy sometimes of whoever might be in charge musically, mm -hmm. um, directionally. We'll be careful. Like I won't, we'll no, no, no. I'm just saying. I, I, to me, it's a collaboration, anyways. You've got to be. Those guys know more about that than I do. Right. That's why they're here, is to help someone like me who's actually going to provide the product to be the product. I've got to use what they have to say and, you know, put it into the thing. The, the way I do things, I have to put their ideas and their opinions into the way I do things as well. Absolutely. And it's only going to make me better. It's only gonna, My palate just gets bigger every time I do any show. So, again... I don't. I don't really mind that stuff. You know, I'm. I'm pretty uh, <clears throat> easy as a colleague and stuff like that. It's just uh, you've got to really get yourself across too. It's a very fine line, but I think it's achievable just if you have any kind of a brain. You know, yeah. you, you seem like a, a smart and observant guy. Mm -hmm. What was it like singing at Cardiff uh, and seeing? like international competition and like what did you can you know toot your own horn if you want but also say like what did you observe in the other styles of singing that are out there competing for something like that well i mean it's just interesting to me that you don't really know what else is out there so, uh, so i don't know if you saw any of the card stuff there they've started to really focus not focus but they, they're bringing in these mongolian guys okay who are just monsters yeah 
they're like, if I'm like, okay, let's just compare it to this. If I am a triple A singer. <laughs> here we go. This is sports. This is baseball. We're talking I'm about so farm systems here. Okay. <laughs> if I'm a triple A singer, there's a triple A team in Louisville, Kentucky called the Louisville Bats. So I know triple A a little bit. Um, if I'm a triple A singer, these Mongolian guys are like Cabrera. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're winning the triple crown. Okay. Like they just come out and you're just like, oh my In God. In terms of the size voices, of the voice. The, the voice is just so impressive. Hmm. Other things might not be what, what's as a, put together. What's impressive? Is it just the. The sound is just, oh, it's just massive. Okay. And it's huge and just fills every corner of every place, even the backstage. But is that what Cardiff is looking for? No, I'm just okay. saying, I mean... That's when, the competition. That's right, out, when yeah, we first just, like, meet each other and yeah. then you hear him sing finally, it's just like, oh, my <laughs> God, jaw on the floor. Yeah. And then you just have to go beat their butts. Yeah. With your voice, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you just have to be, you have to be as impressive, but, you know, you have to maybe, like, use some charm or whatever, because I'm not going to... The Mongolian baritone, it was quite something. He's... He didn't win. No, he won the song prize. Okay. Uh, or he was like one of the winners of the song prize. But I mean, to me, it's just like we're the same type of voice. His is much bigger and more maybe pretty than my voice or whatever. I don't know. But it's just I offer different things than he offers. That's the way I looked at it. But when I first started, I was like, holy shit. You know? You know? Like, <laughs> yes, there we go. There we go. But it was just super impressive. So. That was one one of the things that instantly when I got there I was just like oh my god listen to that you know like it's amazing uh, I don't know it was the British way of singing is very appealing to me I've, I've worked with a lot of British people uh, Brits I guess you'd call them and not British but uh, UK <laughs> dwellers okay um, Christopher Purvis comes to mind I covered him as Sharpless here uh, my first year in the Ryan Center. And he he worked on Bach with me, okay. and he kind of opened my eyes to make it a little bit more lyrical and not so much like a you know trombone part, yeah. which tends to be kind of the way people go about that because it's just such you know you got to be exact and stuff. But I think he's he's just like just make it into a song. It's a song, you know. It's not a orchestra part. You're a you're a singer. You're oh. using words and music, you know. Okay. So, so I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, like that that to me is uh, going more towards. Like, you know, Kunst and away yep. from Stim, you know? Yeah. Like, do you feel like you have more work to do in that arena? And, like, what repertoire do you think you could... I mean, like, I think your voice right now... I think I've done that work now. Yeah. But... I mean, you're singing this, this like, role in Puritani, which is... Yeah. Let's just put it out there. Like, it's, it's a big thing. Like, for somebody yeah, your age, huge. like, it's like, yeah. And, like, I, I would like to hear you, and you're, while you're young, sing something like Pelias, you know, since you have the high notes, you know? But you're maybe not interested in this repertoire because I, well, it's not I tend to, Well, <laughs> I tend to get um, the most compliments about the, the, you know, people say I'm built for French. That's the, what they say, but I just don't, I don't feel that way. What do you want to sing? I really like Italian. I, I like French a lot too. It's just there's not as much out there for me to do in French. It's more, the more stuff that's out there for baritones is all, like, kind of obscure. And then you have kind of the Bizet's. And Valentine. And Valentine, yeah. things like that, which is, again, that's such a small role. You know, I it's not something that's important to me, you know. Uh, Faust, I think it's more of like a hit. I'd rather, you know, kind of dive deeper than that. Yeah. I am going to be doing Zurga coming up. I won't tell you where. But uh, 
Because you I'll heard it here first. Opera box score. Yes. I'll be keep refreshing the website <laughs> until we find out. <laughs> I will. I will be doing that coming up. So that is something that is in my Aria package. Yeah, that Aria is amazing. I've, so yeah, I know. It's to me that's like the one that the young guys should be doing. Yeah, not Valentine. Yeah, Valentine. That's the whole role, really. Yeah, it's yeah. like that and the trio, and then you're done. So I, I would much rather people think about the other aria in their aria package that's just some advice here sorry guys i know you don't want to hear it but uh it, it, you know french is something I, i'm gonna dive into whenever i have a chance but it's not something that i think people even want to hire me for as much they just hear me kind of like going straight up to verity yeah are you okay Which, with that do you want yeah to i'm verity? totally okay yeah okay yeah. <laughs> but right now while your voice is still tight you know, i haven't yeah you know where, you're st- where are you going with that He's well, a, you know, he's a perv. it's it's kids. no, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's still you know your your voice there's a oscillates fast yes. right now. Yeah. You know, like I would love to hear you sing Bach. You know, I would well, love to hear you sing some of that fun handle stuff. Like I know, it, but it yeah. tends to be bassier. Yeah, that's true. So you have to think about it that way as well. Yeah. I don't really mind that because I can sing lower notes. You know, with kind of like the same undulation as my middle and high, but it's just. It's more taxing on me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't enjoy always doing it because sometimes it's a chore. But um, I don't know. The handle stuff is fine. He didn't write for baritones ever. The guy just didn't do it, you know. So there, I don't know if really baritones existed. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I guess that uh, Pelias would be something fun. But, again, I think it's... I think people hire that even just based on if you can sing the high note or not sometimes because yeah. it's such a difficult role. Does... Do the characters influence what you want to say? Uh, no, not really. Okay. But in Italian, it does tend to be the bad guy is the baritone. Right. So, I mean, it just that's just the way it is. Uh, I love Scarpia as yeah. far as a character just because he's... He gets to, he he shows you everything right off the bat. He mm-hmm. just lays it right out on the table. It's amazing. And all he does is just, like, come out and be nasty, and it's just the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. And then... You, you come into the second act, he's like sitting at his little table drinking some wine. <laughs> Tuscan von Parker is just like, he's nasty. You know, it's, he is nasty. Even though he looks like he's not nasty, he's super nasty. Oh, absolutely. I love that guy. <laughs> so, I love all that stuff. But I mean... It's more about the music. Yeah, you don't ever think, this character is something that... So you don't ever look at the character and let that influence the way that your only sound comes in, out? Only in Mozart, really. Okay. Yeah. I think that I let my sound come out as the Count... Much different than I would say for Leporello. Why is that? Just because the characters are so different. The Count is so much more... He's much smarter, number one. Leporello is a bit of a, of a rube as far as Giovanni is concerned. Giovanni's a much smarter guy. Right. Um, you're not really supposed to say that about your characters. You can't judge them. But, uh, no, you have to, uh, you know, to get yourself, you know, going, you have to have some kind of an idea. So, Alfonso I love a lot. Because he's just kind of like a little bit mean and snarky. Right. You're well, and, he's, and he's you controlling it. Uh, I learned it for Opera in the Ozarks, okay. but I never did get on stage for it. I never, I just... I don't want to hear you sing Alfonso. I, I, but I love that opera. Yeah. I know, I know. That's my favorite opera of all time, but I me don't too. want to hear you sing it. <laughs> That's my favorite opera, and people look at me funny when I say that, because yeah. a lot of people say I hate that opera. Yeah. Uh, I'm in that crew. Yeah. I love Cozy. I think it. Yeah, Cozy's a masterpiece. Like it's the, the please come see Cozy Fun Tutte here. At the, please, yeah, oh my gosh, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's. I, I hope I get to sing it when I'm an older man. Yeah. Because again, I think that it has so many beautiful yep. trio. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That is 
unbelievably well put together. Yeah. Alfonso versus the Count is even like a totally different side of the coin because the Count's really just, he's a jerk, you know. Yeah. Mozart is so rich, you know, it's just, there's so many layers to it. Well, that's a different is. facet that I would never expect you to say. Because, really? Yeah, I mean, this whole time I've, we've I've already established what I think about you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not supporting that narrative. That oh, yeah, well, I mean, I am Because Mo- Mozart, but... Mozart to me is like the Kunst, you know, music that a lot of people end up saying. Well, okay. Fault, you know? I think that that's the wrong way to think about it. Just in my personal opinion. I don't think that it is that. I think people have just made it into that. I think you have to sing it. And the problem with a lot of Mozart that you hear nowadays is people don't want to sing it. They want to be funny or be really charactery. No. If you sing it, it is the most beautiful stuff that is I, I I don't disagree with you. But I what hear I'm you saying that, and all I'm thinking is Don Alfonso. Constantly, well, there's a lot of character. That's it, true. It goes on. I, I hear what you're saying, but what, what I'm saying is that there's like musical rhetoric that a certain type of singer, let's say people who have more early music training, yes. really love to dig into with Mozart. Yes. And there are almost like two camps of approaching it these days. You know. Uh, uh, there are, and and neither of them are musical. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And and I think that that's where everything should come from. First, everything should. What did the composer actually write down? Not in like this edition or this edition. I'm saying at all. What is the word and the note there? And then what is the orchestra doing underneath? And that's where your motivation comes from. It's very simple. Anybody who takes it farther than that is just a little out of their mind, I no, think. No subtext? just No, I mean, there's subtext in it. In it. Yes. <laughs> you know, the life is the subtext. It's just your, you bring your own experience to it, and there's your subtext. I mean, I just... Opera is simple. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Opera no, is I mean, simple. There's, I mean, I, up to a certain point in opera or in music history, I think he's, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think that, you know... I would not say the same thing about John Adams. Let's just yeah, put it that exactly. Way. Like <laughs> he's going to give you motivation. What I'm saying write, is that right like in. composers up to let's say Berlioz, maybe even like Berlioz, yeah. they all were being very very deliberate. They weren't trying to be. They weren't hiding anything. You know, <clears throat> like if you do what's on the page and if you understand what the orchestra is doing, like you said, and you yes. understand the words, that's all you have to do is to communicate what's going on. You know, right. And all the complexity is already there, you know. You that's like, that's like the classical way of doing, yeah. Literally everything, you know. Yeah. Like like Greeks, uh, the Spartans were great at military because that was their whole life, yeah. you know. And again, I think it's the same thing with everybody else. Mozart was the great composer because that was his entire existence, you know. Yeah. His short existence. So let us be jealous of you a little bit right now. How, what has been like something that's really awesome that's happened to you besides having a wife and a kid which yeah yeah that's awesome you know but I mean like for your career that like we all can be jealous about you know oh come on I don't know I met Renee a bunch of times she held my little baby right when she was born and um Renee once called me from Vienna and it was like 7 in the morning Tucker Gala this last winter right with this last it is winter (laughs) and uh I I go to my table to sit down at the dinner after the gala yeah and who's sitting there? Lynn Carew, the original Sweeney Todd. <laughs> and I was like, hello, how are you? I was so star- starstruck. I don't get starstruck like almost at all, but he uh, he's like a hero of mine. Do you want to sing You want to talk about performing? Oh, yeah. yeah. I would love to sing that. Again, that. The, the, the villain, you know. But, uh, God, 
What a, what a crazy performance he gave. You could feel all the blood and guts just yeah. on the record. You know, you didn't even have to see him do it. It was so amazing because he put everything out there. Just blah, just gave everything. Hmm. It's, so that's kind of neat. Do you ever, when you're on stage at a place like the Lyric or in the pit at the Met or War Memorial in San Francisco, yeah. and you think... I was selling Toyotas. Was it Toyotas? What were you yeah, Toyotas, Hyundai. I mean, do you ever have that moment where you're like, damn, this is cool. Like, yeah. I can't believe that my life turned into this. And... Yeah, kind of most days, actually. I'm I'm very thankful. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. There's nothing really else to say about it. Sorry. Hit the table. But there's nothing really else to say about that. It's just like I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to have uh, kind of fallen into it this way. I, I think the only way I could have done it is the way I did it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I didn't have, like, the pipeline kind of, like, flushing me out to the Ryan Center, flushing me out to, you know, the, the companies or anything. It was, I had to make everything happen myself. That's the only way I could have done it. Ipuritani runs until... End of February. End of February. So mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it yet, now you know you should go and cheer for Clark. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for doing the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Whether you're allergic to opera or you're a devoted fan, our show is for you. We tackle the week's opera headlines and body slam them into a sports radio setup. The result, 60 minutes of play-by-play analysis, exclusive interviews, and scandalous opinions. Plus the heroes, villains, and stats from this crazy art form that we love and love to complain about. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9 on WNUR. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquest, Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, and Oliver the Man Camacho. That is right. We are back on Opera Box Score after a lovely interview uh, with starring our own Oliver Camacho. But we're going to get into it with some chalk talk. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. All right, so uh, the big news kind of this week is the uh, Metropolitan Opera is showing off its brand new shiny season, the 2018-2019 season. Uh, and of course, uh, we now have a tool. Uh, Oliver, why don't you take us through the infamous, now infamous uh, Dodson scale. The Doug Dodson Diversity and Originality Scale, which we debuted Last week, uh, go back to last week's episode to hear exactly how these uh, season announcements are scored. Uh, but we're going to run down really briefly uh, just kind of the big, big picture of this season using the Doug Dotson scale. So the Met scores a few points uh, for having Clemenza di Tito in their season being an opera written before 1830. They gain about 15 points. For three shows written after 1950, that'd be Marnie, the Nicomuli Opera, Dialogues of the Carmelites by Poulenc, and Bartok's Bluebeard's Castle. It's Bartok, right? Yeah, Bartok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old um, Bela. We're good. <laughs> yes. Uh, they get an additional five points for the Nicomuli Opera, which 
uh, is a show that was written after the year 2000. In the year 2000. And based on a uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie, which is uh, which, which is probably a pretty good source material for an opera. Nice. They get 10 points for uh, having two shows that are not in the traditional operatic languages, the Hungarian of Bartok's Bluebeard's Castle and the Russian of Yolanta, which happened in the double bill. Uh, they gained three points for a conductor of color being um, Gustavo Dudamel. I mean, he's colorful. He's got that curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> and they gained 17 points, 17 small points for announcing uh, a myriad of singers of color, particularly Ryan Speedo Green, Denise Graves, Angel Blue, Eileen Perez, Eric Owens, Morris Robinson, Pretty Yende, Javier Camarena, Nadine Sierra, and a handful of Asian singers whose names I'm not going to pronounce right now. Uh, well. <laughs> but I could with a little practice. <laughs> with practice. Yes. God, I mean, right. I, 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 I jumped right into Yannick right at the top of the <laughs> yeah. show. You have no excuse. Uh, they do... We're going to give him another, just because we're trying to be nice, we're giving him another five points mm-hmm. for the Nico Muley show. We're going to give them more just, points. Just than more points because they're doing Because that so brings poorly. their positive score to 60. Oh, that's not bad. But then uh, the deductions come. The deductions are uh, They lose a total of 40 points for programming Bohem, Carmen, and Traviata in the same Oof, season. But they're a repertoire company. And they lose another 20 points for the ring cycle. Oh dear. <laughs> they could have yeah, they oh, could have scored points word. and gotten a positive rating on the scale for having a single female conductor or a single female composer. I mean, yeah. what yeah. is it? Yeah. What do we exactly. got to do here? I exactly. believe there are a couple of conductors who have not been determined yet, so maybe we can go back and retroactively give them some points, yeah. but uh, probably not. Probably so not. in just a few minutes we have left in this segment, what are you excited about, Weston? I'll start with you. Oh, that, that, that's, an, that's an excellent question that I haven't thought about at all, all Oliver, so you're putting me on the spot. But, uh, I mean, I, I do understand that the, the, the Bartok is um, a new, uh, is basically the same production that they did, you know, just a couple years ago. But I, I really enjoyed that production, and Bluebeard's Castle has been one of my favorites for quite a while. Um, it's one of my go-tos whenever I am trying to entice someone into opera, believe it or really? not. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great one because, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a little unusual. It's not uh, a stereotypical, quote-unquote, opera. Uh, it's got, uh, you know, interesting tonality without jumping over the tonal cliff. And it's only it's only an hour long. It's great for true, true, true. Yeah. The, the length is key. Yeah, yeah. To beginners. What about you, Dinah? You what? know, I was looking through this list, and honestly, I would probably say Bluebeard's Castle as well. Is hey, like, it's like I'm vibing with it because everything else is like the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, being the person who loves the same stuff, which I don't uh, not love. Yeah. It, <laughs> I'm excited like... about some of the. There are four different Aida singing, but so I definitely want to hear Tamara Wilson sing that thing. And, and, oh, God, I'm never going to say her name right. I'm going to just have to look at it really quickly so I say it, try to say it correctly. Yeah, we'll just uh, vamp Geor- a little bit. The Georgian mezzo-soprano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anita Rashvelishvili. I'm oh, wow. very excited about her um, yeah. Amneris. I am excited for um, Elina Garancha. Yeah, mm. I have to say, like, Alina Garancha is featured pretty prominently in this season, but the singer who is really all over it is Isabel Leonard. She's mm. in yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah sure, she so. she really cleaned up at the match. Yeah, I mean, she, she's, she's great. A I like her a lot. Yeah, she's um, totally a But the show I'm actually most excited for is the Pagliacci Melisande, uh, yes. which is yeah. an opera that I rarely ever get to see staged, and it's so beautiful, it beautiful. and mm-hmm. it has so much potential for like really cool stuff on stage. So I, love I forget if this is a new production or not, but um, at any rate, 
I'm excited. I think it's Isabel Leonard. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably is. Yeah. If, if in doubt, <laughs> it's either Anna Netrebko yeah. or Isabel Leonard yeah. doing something. Uh, Dialogues of the Carmelites is also exciting for yeah. me. Do you like that one? And I'm a big Elsa Vandenheber fan who is going to be singing uh, Chrysothemis here in a lecture in Chicago, but is singing Vitellia in the Clemenza at the Met. Uh, they don't have a big bel canto season this year Mm-mm. like they like they have in the coming year like they have this year uh but um dialogues of the carmelites does have um isabel leonard as blanche <laughs> laforce mm-hmm. and carita matila singing madame de quasi um who's a singer that i just i love her she's i know great. that she, her, her voice is kind of getting wrecked you know but she's <laughs> she's such a great stage presence you know she really brings it you know she's crazy you know and yes, i love i love a little Cray, cray, you know. I'm yeah, excited to see to see Joyce put on some pants too. And yeah, I mean, some I have never seen her do something that I have not been completely impressed with. So she's a, she's a fun lady. <laughs> very true, very true. And also the uh, Nico Muli, the the new opera of the season. Um, yeah, I believe just premiered last year, I believe in November. Um, I forget uh, at English National Opera, I believe. Um, I'm not entirely sold on Muli as an opera composer yet, but this is a good opportunity to convince me i think all right we're running out of time so so let's uh, let's talk a little bit before we switch out of this topic i just want to draw everybody's attention to ann majette's article in the washington post yes uh, which is her kind of response to some of these season announcements and she proposes an imaginary season of all female with all ladies (laughs) which is pretty awesome ladies and it was a good looking season too if you want to see the article uh i assume george will post it on the site (laughs) george if you're listening post it on the site right now so uh, and I also have to make a correction. Sorry about, uh, well, you know what I'm sorry about, but Anthony Clark Evans, uh, that was a really bad edit you got there on the uh, Richard Tucker <laughs> switch out of the, your story with Renee Fleming. And also, correction, uh, we heard at the very beginning of the show Anthony Clark Evans singing A Per Sempre with Brian Zeger at the piano in the oh, okay. WQXR radio studio. Well, you know, that's uh, that's what happens when George is away. We make mistakes, but it's apart. okay because, yeah. you know, uh, things are going pretty well otherwise. Let's just, most talk, for, <laughs> let's just talk for just a a couple minutes about the uh, appointment of um, Yannick, uh, the the very, very unsurprising appointments. He's been in the pipeline uh, to the Metropolitan Opera um, uh, director uh, post. Uh, obviously, he's kind of been in the pipeline. People have been talking about it for several years. And now that they finally had no choice but to get rid of James Levine, He's just kind of yeah. kind of fallen. They the couldn't place. have another interim interim. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It, Poor Fabi yeah. Luizzi. Yeah. Luizzi. I, I think he'll. I think he'll be. I think he'll. He'll do a good job. I. Uh, I like his conducting, and he obviously he's done a lot with the Met. Um, but I don't think it's like a particularly con- controversial. Uh, no, pick. it was. It was the right thing to do. I was, mm-hmm. I was just curious to see how those negotiations went down I, yeah. like for him to like get out of all his other contracts or like figure out how to do this schedule and like what does it mean for him now like what are we going to see in 2000 and uh, 1920 Yeah, I kind you know, of so. hope that uh, that um, he him having the artistic presence will kind of start to uh, I don't want to say push Peter Gelb out of the picture, but um, you know, save the Met. You have. <laughs> Sorry, I, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, Gelb has been kind of a controversial leader, but he's kind of been the 
the main driving force behind everything the Mets done, because even when a Levi, even for the past few years before all this came out about James Levine, he was obviously having a lot of health issues. Uh, health issues. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was never there, um, and it was really Gelb's company. Right, and it's not like Fabuloso was making the big decisions that we right. heard about. You know, so so I think it w I think it's a really good thing to have a music person hopefully start to kind of take the reins away a little bit. Uh, if only for um, to and yeah, shape some artistic decisions, shape exactly. casting. Yeah, right, right. And I, I, I think uh, I, from what I know of, of uh, Yannick Nazis again. There it is. From what I know of him, I think I think he'll do a pretty good job, and we'll obviously be following that very closely. All right, so that's about all we had time for in this segment. Uh, so uh, we're going to head on over to the two-minute drill coming up next on Opera Box Score. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Give me 60 more seconds of your time so I can share a secret with you. When I tell people about Opera Box Score, they always ask, how come we're a live talk radio show, not just a podcast? The answer? We want to give listeners like you the chance to call into our show and have your opinion heard live on air. It's easy. Stream our show live on WNUR.org slash pop-up on Mondays at 9 p.m. Central Time. Then give us a call during the broadcast with your take on what we're talking about. The number? 847-866-WNUR. Wait, do people even have letters on their phones anymore? 847-866-9687. Talk to you later. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time for everything you need to know from the past week in Opera Land in less than two minutes. Seven women at Austin Opera have come forward to describe a culture of permissiveness that allowed Richard Buckley, the opera's artistic director and conductor, to inappropriately touch women and make crass comments without consequence. The woman told Austin American statesmen that opera executives and board members knew of Buckley's behavior but chose not to intervene because of his fame and talent. Jonas Kaufmann made no secret of his discomfort with New York's Metropolitan Opera in a recent article in the London Spectator newspaper. Quote, The productions have not always been that great. The HD cinema screenings are a big success, but many people don't see the need to go to the show in New York anymore. These people are just not going to come back. The Met can't even sell out a Tosca. Madison Opera will receive a $20,000 grant from the National Endowment for the Arts in support of the company premiere of Daniel Catan's Florencia en el Amazonas in April. Uh, in April, rather. Not that's not part of the title. The grant is part of the National Endowment for the Arts' first major funding announcement for the fiscal year 2018. And on this day, February 19th, it's the birthday of Gottlieb Stephanie, the German librettist, in 1741, and the death of Georg Büchner, playwright of Wojtzeck, better known to you opera listeners as Wojtzeck, in 1837. And that is your two-minute drill. This is America's talk radio show about opera with George Cedarquest, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, Matt Cummings, and Weston Williams. 
And we're back again, once again. And uh, so that was uh, some interesting things happening in the news there. Obviously, the Austin opera story is feeling like the same old story yep. again. I mean, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, we haven't actually had a, a woman's voice on this topic. That since. is true. This is yeah, a good opportunity. We've been talking about it for the past. <laughs> hey I'll give you a couple minutes to like, get your thoughts. Yeah, we've been talking about it for the past, I don't know, a couple months with mm-hmm. you know, what's been happening at the Met and what's been happening everywhere right. else in the world. You know, yeah. um, How have you been feeling about this? And I know we talked about offline uh, an experience that you had uh, that yeah. we're probably not going to share on the radio. No. But, you know. I mean, it's. It's uh, it's personal, but it's nice that everybody's kind of speaking up finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a, a long time coming, and it, it's not a secret. And that's the biggest thing. It's like the best kept secret that's not a secret. Like everybody yeah. knows that this happens, and unfortunately, we've let it slide for a really long time. Yeah, and it still happens. It happens all the time in audition in auditions and. But uh, how do you feel? One of the th- things that we talked about um, a couple weeks ago was the idea that opera is full of people who are you know they're they're creative types you know they're artistic types and they are maybe emotionally very elevated yes and that the art form we're (laughs) dealing with here is a highly elevated form right and so sometimes you have to i don't know engage those parts of yourself like those emotions those physical feelings to make something come alive on stage so, okay, so we're talking like it's a show, it's happening, we're in the moment, and we're trying to make the moment as real no, as No, even on the director's front or like, you know, just like... I mean, I agree. Yeah. I mean, there are, of course, moments where that, that needs to happen, but there's also, you know it's fake. You know, like... Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it can't be realized even in the best of circumstances, and it should never cross that boundary to where someone feels uncomfortable yeah if you ever or, have if you're no. working on a scene like that you know there you have to be communicating you have to yes. be open you have to be um you have to be conscious you of the other plan person's... out if you're gonna make out with someone exactly <laughs> and i'm it's i'm laughing because it's awkward and like i'm laughing at it because it's so awful yeah. but to go on and have someone just attack you with their face mm-hmm. without pre-planning that in rehearsals with a significant other watching in the audience full of people you're in a foreign country you don't know what's going on you're mm-hmm. in the middle of a show it's hot you're sweating and then all of a sudden there's a man on top of you and you don't how do you react to that you just have to keep going yeah. the show i mean the show must, the show must go on and like what do you do after that he's a tenor, uh, that's the thing he like he has, there's the cover there of it being on stage of course and, and so you can't you, you can't expect the other person to like stop like no i'm stopping and like right yeah. and I, I mean that's i don't know how many women have actually gone through this like on an on stage situation versus no. all backstage stuff but i mean that's a hard one because you want to keep you want to keep the show going and you want yeah. to be like, I can do this. You've worked so hard. Learning operas is incredibly difficult and yeah. performing yeah. them is even harder. And you want to get through that show, especially if you're singing Mozart and it's just like ongoing text. And you're just like, if I stop, then the train derails and you're done. Yeah. Well, that's one of the, the good things I think about the whole pushback finally beginning to happen um, is that, you know, these stories are coming to light. People are listening yeah. uh, for the first time, it seems like. Uh, people are really... People, I, I think this is going to have people start thinking twice about 
about doing these kinds of things, and and there will be more consequences outside of uh, outside. If an incident like that happens, th- there can now be consequences. Whereas right. even just a couple of years ago, that might not have been the case. I think the biggest problem, and I'm just going to say it, is that opera is a glorified art form, and mm. we don't want to taint it in any way. And I don't want to. I don't want to have a a shadow spread on on something that I love to do and love to be a part of. Um, but unfortunately, as we've seen, it's, it's everywhere. And um, unfortunately, men and women, some men and women feel that that's the only way they can get ahead or that's the only way that they think someone will adore them mm. or that's the only way uh, that they can make it through. Um, and it's not having another choice that is really soul-killing. But it happens all the time. And I think that's because opera is such a wonderful, glorious, kind of in a glass bubble. And we don't want to break that glass bubble because then all the dreams shatter. Do you know what I mean? Like opera makes dreams come true. It's an alternate universe in itself. And when you put a, a dark spot on that like golden orb of beauty, it like... It kills it. But, I mean, it has to happen for change to happen. So we get more female conductors. We get female composers. We get more ladies getting in there, doing their stuff, being awesome, and just, like, bringing it back to life. Because Mm -hmm. I think right now what's lacking is life. It needs life again. We'll finally be able to actually get in some more positive numbers on the Dodson scale for, uh, hopefully. uh, Fire all the men that do that stuff. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Before we run out of time, I just wanted (laughs) to add a couple of stories, which I remember remember sending to our fearless producer, but he's really busy right now, and I think he forgot to add him to the rundown. That was some shade. Uh, (laughs) By the way, total Um, shade. A Donizetti (laughs) opera is... uh, has been lost and found oh, and man. will be uh, produced this summer. Uh, it's going to be called L'Ange de Nazida, the Angel of Nazida, written in 1835, I think. Um, cool. Anyway, that is a story in The Guardian. Maybe we'll have time to cover that more carefully next time. And very recent winners of the George London Award, uh, soprano Lauren Margeson, Mezzo-sopranos Rian Bryce Davis, Rehab Chaib, and Emily D'Angelo, uh, baritone Benjamin Taylor, and bass baritone Lawson Anderson. Congratulations on winning the George London Award, a very Good prestigious job, yeah. singing award that has been also won by people like uh, Renee Fleming and Matthew Polanzani. Some, some, some minor some singers some here and there. Like <laughs> so what are the other stories we were talking about in this? Uh, um, well, we can... Jonas uh, Kaufman being like, dissing the opera, which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. and that too. Uh, that, that, that we didn't mention. Uh, he, oh, uh, sorry. Um, he, yeah, in addition, well, uh, in addition to, uh, you know, dissing the Mets, uh, he did, uh, kind he did, uh, mention that, you know, he, he had this experience where, uh, I believe it was a, a conductor, you know, uh, it was a, a recruiter or something yeah, like that. Invited him over. To his cabin in the yeah, woods. Really, massages. Yeah. Once again, I, I'm so glad that I'm not, I wasn't a producer slash director uh, because I probably would have done that same thing. Like, you know, like I know now like this, that's bad, but like, I mean, he's a very attractive guy and like, wait, what? (laughs) No, I mean, (laughs) 
I probably would have been swept up in the re- in the uh, oh, reckoning, you know. Okay, okay, yeah. I get because it. Because I'm a man, too. and like I think I don't think I'm gross, but I flirt really hard. I flirt with anything. Well, know, I mean, so. I think there is a difference between. I mean, <laughs> I think there is a difference between flirting and uh, <laughs> because clearly it was, it was something that made made Kaufman uncomfortable enough to uh, mention yeah. it in wake of this. Yeah. So I think there is, you know, if if you joke about it, you know. As, yeah. I mean, obviously, you can still overstep a line and not know it necessarily, but it did sound like the insinu- the insinuation was very clear and very. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a line stepper. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, so he dissed the Met, and he and, dissed uh, the Met, which he's like you know, people don't even go to Tosca, so it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, that's too bad. Hopefully, he can drag in some people the next time he does Tosca at the Met, which will not be next season, I if believe. He doesn't I don't cancel. Think yeah, that's true. And then in the same article, he was talking about, oh, I don't really want to cancel. And I'm like, the evidence seems to go to the contrary a little mm. bit. But, uh, but you do. But uh, hot, yeah. so Classic Jonas. All right, uh, we don't have time to uh, talk about any of the other stories, so we're just going to move right into uh, the Monday evening quarterback segment. Pass or fail? Here's Monday evening quarterback. And may I just say, that is the most fun bumper in the show. Just every time I I hear it play, I'm like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) All right, Oliver, take us through it. Okay, so we don't have a ton of time, but I do have to give Chicago Opera Theater credit where it's due. I have long been a critic uh, and skeptical of some of the ongoings at COT of late. And my new philosophy is just to be kind. If I don't like something, to just not mention it, you know? But uh, (laughs) this show brings Chicago Opera Theater back to its finest form. Like the production, which is shared with Opera Philadelphia, looks very expensive. It's really, really well designed. The stage direction was fantastic. And I should acknowledge who the stage director was, um, David Schweitzer. Uh, The music by Kevin Putz and libretto by Mark Campbell. This is Elizabeth Cree. Mm -hmm. I think that Elizabeth Cree is going to be an opera that will be produced again and again and again. It's Ooh. that good. And it has sort of a Sweeney Todd gothic yeah. feeling to it. I, 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 was, I was talking about it with some friends. I was like, yeah. this would be a great thing to replace the Sweeney Todd productions yeah. with. You know, it, it's the same feel, better music, more, more interesting story, I think. And the thing about the music, I have to say, is that it's tonal yes. and highly acceptable. And throughout the whole show, I kept thinking, this would make a great audition area. This would yeah. make a great audition yeah. you know. And I could see this being put on in colleges. I could see this ensemble being put on, just this scene, you know. So I think almost in a way that Kevin Putz must have had that in mind. Like, what is going to be a successful show? What is get, keeping shows produced is if they're made done in the college circuit, you know. Uh, the way Dead Man Walking has a whole second life, besides being produced all over the world. But now right. colleges want to do it, too, because it's such good music and very acceptable, you know. Lots of great tunes, you know. Um, but the star, there are two stars. I mean, actually, the whole cast was good. Uh, I, particularly Stacey Tappan, the soprano, who was a young artist at Lyric Opera, uh, returning here to Chicago to do this role. Um, it's a, not a major role in the show, but very, very flashy role. Uh, there's a tenor role uh, called Dan Lino, which was sung by Richard Troxell. Uh, it's like a compromario slash comic tenor role, and it's crazy crazy difficult and this guy does it so so i cannot imagine anybody else but him singing in this role he was he was fantastic in it but the star of the show was elizabeth cree sung by mezzo-soprano Catherine proct who to me gave the best performance of the year so far uh in any opera i was just blown away by her vocalism in this and her acting 
Uh, and this, it was absolutely her show all the way through. It she was, was on stage basically the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And she bills herself as a mezzo soprano, but I really don't understand what she was doing. Like what? <laughs> like I mean, she clearly has like the tone quality of a mezzo soprano, and the diction is great. The tone is beautiful, but this role is crazy. It's like a comprehensive, super difficult, high, low, loud, soft dramatic angry like it was like a little mini norma you know i'm into it yeah and she killed it she was amazing i was blown away by her yeah the uh the show is done now at chicago opera theater but uh if oliver's prediction comes true and it happens to be around you it is highly recommended by both oliver and myself uh and uh and let's get into oh <laughs> yeah. i and didn't see the- it but i heard it was really good <laughs> <laughs> I had some friends that were in it. Hey, Emma, what's up, girl? Oh, yeah. yeah it, it was really good. Um, and that's about all we have time for, but we're going to go do a quick good call, bad call, and then get to the end of the podcast here on WNUR uh, in Evanston, Chicago. Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. All right, who's got a good call for me? It's me, it's me. I have a good call, and I already told you guys this, but today I quit my full-time job to pursue music full-time in whatever capacity that is. Congratulations. So that is my good call, and I'm super nervous, horrified, and excited all at the same That's time. That's a very big step. I want to puke, I, but uh, also <laughs> jump up with joy. So <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, so I have something that's a little bit uh, self-aggrandizing, I guess. Oh, go I for mean, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, there is a uh, blog about music called Faux Sounds, F-A-U-X-S-O-U-N-D-S, okay. FauxSounds.com. And I was asked to write a introduction to opera uh, playlist and blog entry. That sounds And fun. so I did. And I thought about it in a very personal way. Like, what made me as, like, a 15-year-old gay kid, not that I'm 15 anymore, but just a couple <laughs> years ago, you know, fall ago. in love with opera. And I wanted to write something that, like, showed like, a very queer perspective about the singing voice and it's not just opera there's definitely a lot of opera on it but there's also some choral music and some song on there and uh, I, I recommend you check it out and you can learn a little bit more about the creative consultant of opera box score it's a pretty good <laughs> playlist i oh, listened you, to part of it oh yeah. you did okay yeah. Yeah. so that's www.fouxsounds.com super fun yeah well that's about all we have time for this week on uh america's talk radio show about opera period the general manager at wnur is nick anderson our announcer is norm woodell visit norm on the web at boxershorts.com that's v-o-x-e-r-s-h-o-r-t-s.com our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. And leave a review when you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Dinah Fisher, I'm Weston Williams asking you to continue the conversation about opera with the love of your love, if you've got one. And I don't, but I'm working on it. We're back on Monday, February 26th at 9 p.m. Central with more opera news and hot takes. Join us then. This is WNUR-FM, Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's Sound Experiment.